appreciate that. Thank you. Well, what a wonderful week it's been. We've had salvations, praise God. So great, great to hear of, um, of the, the children getting saved, uh, coming to know the Lord on Friday evening, and um, a couple that I think were invited to come along and, and friends of our kids, and so glad for that. And then Moses getting saved, that, that actually validates the volleyball ministry, all right, over these years. And so, you know, that's the value of one, and we're glad for, for how the Lord works as we uh, go about just our everyday, we get opportunities to, to be a witness for the Lord, and I hope that we do take those opportunities, and uh, we're glad for that. Let's uh, turn our Bibles this evening to Ruth chapter 3, and it is good to see Josh Campsong, so Pastor Joe's eldest, he's, he's in our midst, he, were you on the back piano there? All right, I, I thought I heard a familiar sound, and, and so we're good to have him here and visiting with us, continue to pray for them as they minister in, in Thailand. And Lord willing, uh, we'll, we'll be there uh, later this year for, for conference once again. And so we're looking forward to that. But uh, Ruth chapter 3, and we'll begin reading here in verse 6. We'll read down to verse 13. And notice there with me in, in verse 6. And she went down unto the floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law bade her. Now you remember last week we started the, the, uh, this chapter just, just uh, really commenting on the fact that this was a chapter of occasion and opportunity, and we saw how really Naomi had to explain a little bit to Ruth about the circumstances that she had, the opportunity that she actually was faced with, and her mother-in-law gave her great counsel and had a positive attitude about what God was doing in the life of Ruth. And so we, we looked at that, she, she gave those, the counsel there that she ought to give, uh, anoint herself and, and put on new raiment, and, and she said there in verse 3, to get on the floor and make thyself, not thyself known unto the man. So now this, this was the action that was to follow, we, we note her cooperative spirit, and, and again, the understanding that when, if we're going to take on the occasions and opportunities of our lives, it's not just about receiving counsel, but it's about enacting counsel. And so she goes on, notice verse 7, And when Boaz had eaten and drunk, and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn, and, he, and she came softly and uncovered his feet and laid her down. And it came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid. And imagine that, you, you just go and you've had a hearty meal, you've, you've had a, a good amount of, uh, of just uh, of, of the food and, or the enjoyment of that, and you're lying down, as, as men do, after we have a good meal, we want to take a good nap. And so he's gone to sleep, and suddenly in, at midnight, and that's probably the worst time to discover a, another presence in the room, right? And so right there, at midnight, he awakens to the shock of this woman lying down. And so we see that he's how, uh, he came softly, uncovered his feet, came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid, and turned himself, and behold, a woman laid at his feet. And he said, Who art thou? And she answered, I am Ruth, thine handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. And he said, Blessed be thou of the Lord, my daughter, for thou hast showed more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning, inasmuch as thou followest not young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, fear not. I will do to thee all that thou requirest, for all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. 
And now it is true that I am thy near kinsman, howbeit there is a kinsman nearer than I. Tarry this night, and it shall be in the morning that if he will perform unto thee the part of a kinsman, well, let him do the part, the, the kinsman's part. But if he will not do the part of a kinsman to thee, then will I do the part of a kinsman to thee. As the Lord liveth, lie down until the morning. And so just a, as the story develops there, we see that, that this, this, the, the advice that, that Naomi gave to Ruth was, was right and true. She goes ahead and in, in great faith, really, in obedience and under, now a bit more of understanding the, of, of Boaz's interest in her. Now this is a, 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 the, the corresponding action that Boaz was about to perform. We see Boaz's response now to opportunity. And until now, we didn't have, he didn't really have any knowledge of Ruth's openness to him. He knew that she was of, uh, of the, the lineage of Elimelech and understood that he, she was part now of his, uh, his, uh, his inheritance, so to speak. That's why she was gleaning in the field. But that's all he knew. But uh, understanding also that from a testimony point of view and from a character point of view, she was one, and we read it there, she was a virtuous woman. She was one with great character. And, and there was something about Ruth that uh, in, in Boaz's mind was, was someone that he could be interested in. And, and what we see here is, is really Boaz's response to, to the opportunity presented. And, and we see here the, the actions taken. We see that Ruth does what she was told by her mother-in-law. She, she sleeps at his feet. Now, that's, a, that's an interesting posture, isn't it? It's you know, I, I could think of uh, different places to sleep than someone's feet. But that's the action there, and it was, a, it was really a, a, a custom of humility. And it, uh, a note here from, uh, from a, a commentary about this action, there was nothing immoral about Ruth's uncovering the feet of Boaz and lying crosswise and covering herself with his cloak or skirt. In this act, according to Eastern custom, she was only asking for the right of his protection. And so later, Boaz spreads his garment over her, which symbolized his willingness to be her kinsman redeemer. So, so this was an action that Boaz took to, to really affirm and start a bit of a process to, to help Ruth understand that not, what, not only was he, uh, was he willing to protect her, he, he was willing to redeem her. And, and you know, that's the, that's the reality of our Lord. You know, we think about the Lord Jesus in his actions toward us, it's not just about protection. It's about redemption. And, and, and I, I hope that you're glad even tonight that, that our, our near kinsman, the Lord Jesus, he didn't just go out and protect us. He redeemed us. He brought us to himself. And that's really the, what's starting to take place. And in fact, the same language is used by God in Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 8, when it came to his covenant people, Israel. In Ezekiel 16, 8, let me just quickly read that for you. Now when I, went, I passed by thee and looked upon thee, behold, thy time was a time of love. And I spread my skirt over thee and covered thy nakedness. Yea, I swear unto thee and entered into a covenant with thee, saith the Lord God, and thou becamest mine. And so even in, as he viewed the nation of Israel and as he viewed, as God viewed uh, the, the destitution of Israel, he was a, a redeemer to Israel and that action of spreading his skirt over her was an indication of his willingness to not only protect, 
but actually to redeem them or buy them back. And so this is what's taking place in our story here. And Boaz could could look at this as as his willingness to to fulfill an obligation. He he had a, a, a measure of his response by laying out what needed to be done. And he uh, had other obligations before he could step forward in this opportunity. And, and we read that earlier. He, he confirms it's true. I am your near, your near kinsman, but there's one nearer to me. And according to the law, he had no right unless this nearer kinsman uh, abdicated his place. And, and we'll look later on as we get into chapter 4, Lord willing, at some point. We're going to look at how that's a great type of, of another thing. But for now, we're just looking at some practical things here of of how Boaz responds to opportunity. And some great principles there because we see in Boaz someone with great integrity. We see someone who understood the opportunity ahead of him but, but acted in a way that is instructive for us because the reality is there's always great opportunity that lays ahead of us. There's some things that are good opportunities that we ought to take. There are some things that are right for us to enact, but, but it's not just about being motivated by the end of a matter, because sometimes here's how we think the, the end justifies the means. But, but what we see here in Boaz is that he, he put in some, uh, he responded in a way that was pleasing and that showed his integrity. And, and yet he still ended up, as we'll see later on, he still ended up with the right result. You know, often we can be tempted when it comes to opportunity and even God-given opportunities to take a shortcut. However, it's a dangerous thing to get ahead of God and actually even at times to circumvent God in our haste to do something, in our haste to, to think that there's an opportunity present and I better take it. And we better take great care. You know, the Bible tells us in Proverbs 21 verse 5, the thoughts of the diligent Tend only to plenteousness, but of everyone that is hasty, only to want, desire. And he's saying those who are hasty, they're, all they're thinking about is the fulfilling their desire. And, and no doubt, as you read that, as we read that together, we, we, we get the heart that Boaz had now for Ruth. She, he understood that she was going, going to be someone that was going to be of, great, uh, of a great blessing to him. He, her, her, uh, her, her character already had shone out in, in her, his observation and even in the observation of those that were around. And by the way, that's a great principle. You know, for those of you seeking marriage and seeking a life partner, it's a good thing to observe. It's a good thing to see how they act and how they behave and, and then even to get a good testimony of them from those, or those that know them and know those that see them. And and so he, he, the Bible's telling us the thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness, but of everyone that is hasty, only to want. You know, sometimes we can be hasty even when the end of it is right. In Proverbs 28, verse 20, A faithful man shall, shall abound with blessings, but he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. You know, in our haste to, to take, uh, take uh, an opportunity on and, and maybe it... it it draws a great gain to us. If our thoughts are only, are, are, uh, if we're hasty to do that, then, you know, sometimes our way and our process and our steps, they're not as innocent as they need to be. You know, I think about uh, a story I heard about a, a fellow who ended up in ministry. He, 
it felt very, he felt very clear from the Lord that he was called to, to do the work of God. And, and so he went ahead and he started to train for that. And then he felt like he was ready. And he went ahead and he spoke to his pastor about it. Sat down with his pastor and had a, had a long chat, talked about his desire to want to work for God. And, and we would all agree that's a good thing, right? Right? It's a good thing when someone, uh, when, when a young man desires to work for the Lord. And so he went ahead and sat down with his pastor, but his pastor recognized some things in him. He, he said, you know, you're not quite ready. There's, there's some immaturity there. And there's some things I think you need to wait a little bit. And, and I'm not sure in your marriage you're right to go ahead and do that. You need to establish yourself a little bit. But unfortunately, he wasn't happy with that. And so he went to others in the church who he knew somewhat had a bit of an issue with the pastor. And unfortunately, one of them was his sister. And his sister said, you know, uh, don't listen to him. Just go ahead and just start your church. And here's what I'll do. I'll support you financially. And so he went ahead without any blessing from the church, any blessing from the, the spiritual leadership that was placed in his life. And you know what? He did go ahead and he became a pastor. But I'll tell you what, he went through some real hardship. He, he went through a real difficult time. He went through some difficulty and some heartache that he probably would have avoided. And he got there, but, but the, the process of that wasn't pure and right. He got there, but there was a cost to him. And often when, we, when an opportunity or an occasion is presented to us, even if it's good and right to do, we've also still got to, got to step away and pause a little bit and make sure that we take the right steps to get there. And that's what we see, and that's what I see in the life of Boaz, is that as he summed up the situation, in recognizing Ruth, he, he, was, he, he understood the assignment. He understood the outcome that was to be desired. And we see that in verse 12. Notice with me now, it is true that I am thy near kinsman. He understood that Ruth was coming to him as a result of her understanding that he could be one that would provide great care and great protection and then redemption on her part. That, that this was right to do. And, and so he affirms, now it is true that I am thy near kinsman. And, you know, he understood the assignment. He understood the outcome that was to be desired. And, and you know, many times before we step into an opportunity, sometimes we've just got to clarify what is the point. What is the goal here? What is the outcome that needs to be, that, that, is, that, we're, what we're, that we're actually aimed for? And many people do things without understanding what they're aiming for. You know, there's, a, there's an old saying, if you aim at nothing, you'll always hit your mark. And you know, many times there's a, there's a, a general understanding maybe of, of that, that you should step forward in faith. And there's a general understanding that maybe this is an opportunity that God has opened up. But have you ever stopped to pause and say, Lord, what is it that you actually want me to do with this? What is the point? What is the, what is the intended goal? What is the intended desire to be fulfilled? And, and what we need to do is look at what we're aiming for and see the reasons we ought to move forward. See the reasons why. You know, the Bible tells us in Proverbs 4.26, ponder the path, of, uh, the, the, the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. So he's ponder the direction you're going to take, ponder the steps, and, and let your ways be established. And Boaz recognized that Ruth, being a virtuous woman, Ruth 
which had a, a, a right testimony, was, was a great opportunity for him to take, take on, but he had to be above board. You know, Spurgeon said this, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do refers to works that are possible. There are many things which our heart findeth to do which we never shall do. It is well, it is in our heart. But if we would be eminently useful, we must not be content with forming schemes in our heart and talking of them. We must practically carry out whatsoever our hand findeth to do. And we're saying that there's many devices in a man's heart. There's many things that we desire that perhaps we see a good point, but we better clarify what is the point. We better clarify what it is that we're aiming for. And, and, and what we find in, in Boaz was that he just understood the assignment. He understood that he was a near kinsman. He understood that, that this was a, a request from Ruth to be redeemed. And so the steps that he was going to take, if he was going to take that on, had to be right and true. And, and, and really... Secondly, tonight, he understood with clarity because I think his motive was pure. You know, Boaz wasn't overcome with desire. He, he remained under control, which was motivated, which motivated his doing right. Because notice what he says in verse 12. He, he'd already told her in verse 11, My daughter, fear not. I will do to thee all that thou requirest. And again, he gives his reason, for all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. And notice his response again, the second part of verse 12, how be it, there is a kinsman nearer than I. You know, that's not something that Ruth, Ruth knew. That's not something that maybe even Naomi knew. This was something that only actually Boaz understood. But Boaz had enough character to actually do right by Ruth because he, he didn't let desire drive his motivations. That, that wasn't his, that, that was the thing. He, he was pure in his motive. And, and I think about that in Titus chapter 1, verse 15. The Bible tells us, Unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. But even their mind and conscience is defiled. And, and what he's saying there, the things that are pure, all things are pure. And, and really, he's saying your, your mind and conscience is not defiled. There's a clarity of mind. You know, often when we desire something to happen, regardless of the process it's going to take, sometimes we just go ahead and sometimes we take missteps. We're, we're, too, we're, too, we're too enamored with the desire, and suddenly we find ourselves maybe compromising on certain things. And, you know, I think about uh, sometimes young men will, will come to me and they'll, they'll say, Pastor, here's what I think the will of God is. And they'll, they'll talk a little bit about what that is, and, and I'll ask them a few questions about, you know, what it is that, why it is that they think that, that God, that's God's will. And they'll talk about all of these circumstantial evidences. Like for example, I think of a young man who many years ago he said, oh, pastor, I think um, I, I'm meant to marry this person. And I go, okay, and, and I, you know, I, didn't really, I didn't really know the, the situation, so I asked more questions, and I said, why do you think you ought to marry them? And, and they said, oh, well, we like the same things. And you know, you know, it's easy to like the same things when you like a girl, right? 
And then I asked him, well, how about, where do you think she is spiritually and where do you think you are spiritually? Well, I'm walking with God as much as I, and, and, and I said, well, where, where are you reading? I'm reading in the Song of Solomon's. And I'm thinking, well, okay. And then I said, well, what, what, how about ministry? You know, uh, what do you think about ministry? Oh, we're, we're all in the same ministry. And, and I said, when did you start? Well, I started a couple of months ago. I volunteered. I go, was she in that ministry before? She goes, yeah, yeah, but you know, I just, I just, but that's what, and, and it was obvious that he was manipulating the situation. You know why? His motive was not pure. His motive was just to get with her. And, and when it comes to it, we can manufacture whatever it is that we think God wants, and we can just make that, and we can spiritualize and wrap it around the language because we know. And what we find, though, is that Boaz had enough integrity. He wasn't clouded by his desires. You know, even God, when we think about his motives for us, the Bible tells us that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. In fact, the things that, that God puts in our lives, we know that all things work together for good. We know that ultimately God's desire for us, and you know, sometimes we can wonder what God is doing, but here's what we can never wonder, God's motive for us. It's pure. And the things that he, he enacts in our lives, they're out of a, the, that, that one who's light and there's no darkness at all. It's pure. And again, often opportunities arrive that maybe it sounds too good to be true, and that's because they're not. And sometimes we can get hasty and because we're just living in desire, because we're all motivated about desire, then, then that motive leads to our misjudgment. And sometimes if our motives aren't pure, we do it because the end justifies the means. And, and you know, sometimes we position ourselves and before too long, it's just out of just that, that want to. And we better be careful. He understood with clarity because his motive was pure. And sometimes opportunities come that are just plain wrong. And, and I'm saying if it leads you to sin or it is sin, then don't do it. When, when we're not living pure and we're not living with, with an understanding that we need to, to be pure before the Lord and we're, we're confessing sin and we're confessing wrong motives and we're, we're, we're confessing those hidden things of the heart, if we're not doing that, then you know what it all, always results in? is just more sin and more wrong. And when we're, we're just going and we're not careful to observe the workings and allowing God to, to just work in our hearts and show us what our motives are. Remember that the Word of God, it's a discerner of the intents of the heart. We're meant to allow this, this the Bible to be that sword that divides and helps us discern what, what, is, the, what is the motive here? Is it a pure, is it a right motive? You know, um, Often we, we go about it and opportunities that, are, that come that are just plain wrong, just don't do it. And uh, Achan should have left alone the Babylonian garment. But, but it was already in his heart. And Boaz already had observed Ruth. He, he knew she was righteous and godly. Now it was his turn to do right. You see, he wasn't motivated by lust. 
He wasn't motivated by desire and Boaz's actions came out because his motive was pure. It caused him to do more right and it didn't allow his goals to circumvent his process. You know, the Bible tells us to prove all things. He say, the Bible says to hold fast that which is good, but that first part, he says, prove all things. And you know what sometimes we ought to prove? What we ought to prove is what's actually happening in our own hearts and minds. Sometimes we've just got to stop and pause and allow God to, to divide through and allow his word to just counsel us, to help us discern what is our motive. Is it right? Is it pure? And, and you know, sometimes I think many of us would, would do well to just pause to do that and it'll just save us from a lot of wrong decisions and wrong, wrong outcomes. But then really, it, this comes with it, he understood God's word. And he responded with principle. You know what, what he was actually bringing out there and in verse 12 again, how be it there is a kinsman nearer than I. You know what he was actually honoring? Not just the truth of the situation. He was honoring the truth of God's word. Because the, the nearer kinsman actually had the right of call to, 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 uh, to Ruth. That was understood biblically. And he understood God's word and responded with principle. And that's why, you know, so often, again, the, the Bible is meant to be a light. It's meant to shed some light on the steps ahead. It's supposed to shed some light on, on areas that maybe it looks right, but until the light is shed on it, we won't have great clarity and we won't have a great judgment. And he understood God's word. And so because of that, he responded with principle and notice, again, he says, There is a kinsman nearer than I there. Tarry this night, and it shall be in the morning, that if he will perform until, uh, uh, he will perform unto thee the part of a kinsman, well. You know what that is? It's a surrender. He's surrendering his desire to what the Word of God has prescribed. It wasn't just about what he wanted. It wasn't just about him getting the right outcome, No. He's saying, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to submit my desire so that the word of God and the process it prescribes is, is honored. He understood God's word. He, he says, let him do the kinsman's part. But if he will not do the part of a kinsman to thee, he understood the also, then will I do the part of a kinsman to thee. He knew he was next in line. And so he was... He was uh, he was laying down his desire to, he submitted it to the word of God. And, and church, let me tell you that we'll never go wrong submitting our desire to the word of God. If we, if we filter every decision and if we filter every desire and submit it to the word of God, then what will come out will be right and good. And he understood God's word and so he responded with principle and and we know evidently Boaz had been making inquiries in the background. Boaz understood where he, he, he stood in the, the pecking order, so to speak. And Boaz, though, was dealing with, a, with, with Ruth here, and Ruth needed to know what was next. So he tells her, tarry this night, saying, you know, sleep on it. It shall be in the morning that if he will perform. And, you know, he wasn't hasty. He didn't just go about, and, but he also was clear. And here we see Boaz's principled approach, the opportunity at hand. Again, he didn't rush without keeping his emotions in check. And 
you know, when an opportunity arises, we need to keep ourselves in check. So we don't rush into it and bypass what's needed to proceed properly. And we do that by submitting ourselves to God's process, His Word. You know, sometimes when we know that an opportunity is on hand, we can make an emotional decision. And that's why, you know, there's still salespeople, right? I'm, I'm one of those. I, I, I actually, I shouldn't shop without my wife because I always feel bad for the salesperson. You know, they made all that effort to say hello to me and was friendly. And, and then, you know, I'll buy something and just without doubt, the next day it's on sale, right? And, and I could have got a discount, right? And, and sometimes, sometimes we feel pressured by the moment. Sometimes we feel pressured by the thought that this opportunity must be taken now. And, and sometimes with that thinking, we can just go ahead and circumvent what God's prescribed will is. We go ahead and we just do what we feel. We feel this way. And, and, and we don't keep that filtered and in check with the Word of God. And Boaz laid out the process. He told her, you know, I'm going to need to go to the nearer kinsman. And if he does his part well, and Boaz was willing to submit himself to the law, to the Word of God, and base the outcome on its judgment. I wonder if we do that. I wonder if there is something that is on our heart that we want to do. And, and it may not necessarily be wrong. But I wonder if we filter that through the Word of God and if it gives us an answer, if we're willing to submit to it or just go ahead and just do what we want anyway. You know, sometimes we're like that. You know, sometimes our kids are like that. They'll, they'll ask a question of us. And if they don't want that answer, they'll try to go to the other one. And we try, to, we, try to, we try to help our kids by telling them, don't play off mom and dad against each other. And, you know, it comes to, to what God desires. He doesn't play us off against his word. His word has to reign supreme. And accepting what's right, even when it results in a loss for you personally, is a sign of maturity. But when, when we just go ahead and we just do it, you know what that is? It's a sign of immaturity. And so I think about even the Hebrew boys, we, we sort of referred to them this morning. I love their spirit, you know, they, they wouldn't bow. And notice in, in Daniel 3.18, and I've got it here, so just listen along. But if not, they're saying, if we're not rescued, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which, which thou hast set up. You know what, that, they were willing to suffer loss so that God would get his glory. They were willing to suffer the loss so that God's word would be followed. And God's word forbade them to put other gods before the God. And so they followed it and it came at a cost. It came at a great cost. It came to the cost of this, their life. And yet we know God miraculously preserved them from that. And I want to say to you that, you know, so often the losses in our lives that we think are losses are actual gains when it comes to following after God. I think of another one. Look at Acts chapter 16, and we'll be nearly done. Acts chapter 16. And we would refer to this portion of Scripture as the Macedonian call. But really, Paul was, was just seeking God. 
Paul was trying, he, he had a desire to go into a different region. Notice verse 6, now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. You know, Paul's desire was to go into Asia. But the, the Bible says they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost. And they were come to Mycenae, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they passing by Mysia came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samothracia, and the next day Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi, which is to the chief city of the, that part of Macedonia, and a colony, and we were in that day, that city abiding certain days, and there was a great harvest there. And, and what happened, what transpired in the life of even the Apostle Paul, and this is a right desire, he wanted to preach the gospel, but the Holy Ghost forbade him. There, there, was a, there was a stoppage that he needed to deal with. And the way he dealt with that was just to obey. <laughs> he, he, didn't, he didn't fight God about it. And he, I'm sure he sought God and I'm sure there was, there was a, an opportunity at hand. But what it was, it was an opportunity closed by God. And yet what we see is, is God opened another door. And so many times we, we're so stubborn with our desire to want to do something that we just go ahead and maybe ignore God or circumvent God. And suddenly we find ourselves, yes, maybe with the opportunity in hand, but was God glorified? Was, was the maximum of that accomplished? And whilst an opportunity closed, Paul was seeking God and got an answer. And, and what I'm saying is we, we can't jump to conclusions. We need to wait patiently on the Lord. We, we need not to be hasty. We need to filter our steps through the principles of God's word. And, and don't take shortcuts. Wait on God's way. And it's really, that's a lesson that we learn as we think about Boaz. You know, he went ahead. He goes and, and in verse 14, she lay at his feet until the morning and she arose up before one could know another. And he said, let it be known that a woman came into the floor. Also, he said, bring the veil that thou hast upon thee and hold it. And when... She held it, he measured six measures of barley and laid it on her, and she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, Who art thou, my daughter? And she told her all that the man had done to her. And she said, These six measures of barley gave me, he me, for he said to me, Go not empty unto thy, thy mother-in-law. Then said she, So Naomi, say to so her, Sit still, my daughter, until thou know the matter will fall. Notice this, for the man will not be in rest until he have finished the thing this day. You know, um, it, was, it was on Boaz in his timing. And I think about sometimes, sometimes in our lives, there's things that we want from the Lord and we want it in, his in, my, in our timing. But you know, God is actively doing what's good for you. In fact, the Lord won't rest until it's done. And, and I want to tell you assuredly that God's got, his, God's got the best intentions for you and I. But we've got to wait on His timing. 
we've got to wait on his actions and we've got to wait on his plan to, 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 uh, to unfold. And don't take shortcuts, wait on God's way. And so we learn from Boaz that proving something to be right and good without hastily deciding helps us move forward. It helps us take opportunities rightly. We learn also that surrendering to God's word and leaving the outcome in his hands leads us to the best way to take an occasion and an opportunity. And too often we allow the outcomes alone to be our motivator, when often it's how we arrive at gaining the outcome that best places us to move forward in God's will. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for the time we've had in your word tonight. Father, thank you, Lord, for the great example of Boaz. And Lord, no doubt you, you placed that opportunity in front of him. And yet, Lord, he, he acted principally. He acted in a way that, that pleased you in, with great knowledge of your word. And I pray that, Lord, you would help us to be that in our lives. I pray that, Lord, whatever it is, as we go through the week with, with decisions and, and occasions and opportunities that come our way, I pray that we'd be surrendered enough to you, Lord, to allow you to, to, Lord, to direct us, to give us clarity, and then, Lord, to submit the outcome according to your will. And I pray that you'd help us as we get into the week to just honor you in that, in, in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen.